Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your guest host, Joe Campagna, payment consultant at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into the future of PayPal payments. To discuss this, I'm joined by special guest speaker from PayPal, Prasanna Vinjamuri. Prasanna Vinjamuri is a senior director of product at PayPal. He leads PayPal Complete Payments, PPCP, a unified payment stack powering payments for 35 million SMBs and 2,000 platforms globally. Over his nine-plus years at PayPal, Prasanna has led different merchant and consumer products, including demand generation, in-store QR, and merchant experiences. Prior to PayPal, he held product leadership roles in ad tech in companies like Yahoo and Gitjar. Prasanna, welcome. How are you doing out there today? Thank you, Joe. I'm very excited to be on this podcast. Um, yeah, it's a great way to kick off the year. Lots of fun things going on. We're all very excited to be back at work after uh, spending a good two to three weeks off, uh, hopefully rested uh, with our families. I totally agree. I am definitely ready to get back into payments and the excitement of helping people take money. So can you walk us through what PPCP is, payment for PayPal? I know this is kind of the new technology that you guys have that's incorporating the other payment venues outside of the traditional credit card. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, um, I can definitely do that. You think about um, payments and clearly over the last 20 plus years for online commerce, a lot has changed. Uh, PayPal has been a pioneer in the space. We started with the PayPal button. Uh, We've always been about making payments friction-free. But what has happened in the last, especially five or 10 years is that there's a lot of payment methods that have emerged that are uh, just as good in terms of decreasing the friction in payments. Um, And what we have realized in terms of being able to help merchants in terms of accepting payments is that we need to be able to actually support all payment methods. So we made an explicit decision about two years back to expand our payments portfolio to beyond the payment methods that we already support, PayPal, Venmo, Buy Now, Pay Later products, to accept even our competitive payment products. So Apple Pay, Google Pay, and other payment methods that we compete with. Uh, Our goal and intent is to basically provide a complete set of payment methods for merchants so that they can allow their consumers who are checking it on their sites or mobile apps to choose uh, versus us choosing for them. So the first element of PayPal Complete Payments is that it supports all payment methods now. And this is not just in the US, it's global. And we are continuing to add more and more payment methods and we can talk a little bit more about them uh, as we go through this podcast. It's interesting. So that's only one <laughs> right. of three things that you see. It's interesting that you say it because it seems like most of the conversations we have with clients now when it comes to payments is how mm-hmm. do we not create any barriers to when they get to the checkout to take the payment? Because we all know that people get there and it's like, oh, well, I wanted to do it this way or I prefer to do it that way. And this tool yeah. really does take away a lot of that barrier where consumers are going to either abandon the card or they're going to come back later or whatever they're going to do. But that's probably the one thing we hear from customers, you know, at American Eagle. It's how do I, how do I convert every sale and not get in my own way? What's the challenge? Like, how do I solve that challenge? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the providing the right um, form of and the consumer's preferred instrument to pay is, is super critical for all our merchants. And I think uh, this has been the changing story. And I think where, we will have to take this to is to kind of take this uh, optimization decision, if you will, uh, from the merchant to help them in effect of convert every customer. So 
I think at this point in time, what the, the situation where we're in is they can provide the 10, 15, 20 payment methods on their checkout page, but they usually have to kind of select the right one that they want to, depending on where the merchant, the consumer is from. And so I think there's going to be a lot of AI and optimization that, that will work itself in the platform uh, over the next year or two. Uh, but that's kind of where the technology is headed. Where okay. Essentially provide as broad in terms of payment acceptance globally, uh, because many payment methods are uh, different based on the country uh, that the consumer is in. And I'm glad and, you brought that up. I mean, the international part of it, I think a lot of businesses that are maybe in the U.S. are thinking, you know, this is how we do it here. But that's typically not yeah. the case abroad, even as you go to Canada and Mexico, that are our closest neighbors. Yeah. So how is PPCP helping with kind of those international non-traditional payments? Yeah. So um, what we are doing with international LPMs, local payment methods, as we call them, is that uh, the first thing is that we are broad, we are creating the broadest set of payment methods that we support that we can support. So uh, that does involve us striking contracts and deals with those payment methods. Uh, you know the the companies that run them to make them available via PPCP. So that's number one. So we just make make them making them available themselves. But what's also very important for us is make that experience very seamless for the consumer. So depending on, regardless of the type of payment method that they choose, uh, what we want to make sure is that it's a very minimal set of steps to complete checkout. Ideally, you would want a one-step checkout or a one-click checkout. That's the kind of the North Star. Just make it simple, just kind of click and you go. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, with all these payment method, international payment methods too, you may have to enter an account number. Just imagine entering a bank account number. Right. Right. So what we are doing and working with many of the platforms and other players in this space is to just to make that simpler. And so so what I would how I would summarize this is we're emphasizing on breadth. So every country that we go to, like, for example, in Mexico, OXO is a very popular payment method. We provide that payment method as an option for merchants in Mexico. Uh, similarly, in Brazil, it's PIX. And so there's a whole bunch of payment methods in in all these different markets. And the first the first thing that we are doing is to support the breadth. The second thing that we are doing is basically to make sure that there's very minimal friction that consumers go through when that they go through that experience with that payment method. And the integration to the site is easy because you're doing it through the technology that we're PCP. talking about. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's that single payment integration that most of our merchants want because what they don't want to be doing is essentially separately integrating with each of these payment platforms or methods. And that causes complexity in terms of not just the first time, but you have to kind of maintain them and also for managing funds, right? Like, so this is one of the biggest challenges that most merchants have is your, your funds, um, you're kind of looking at, you're logging into one account and seeing all the funds that you're collecting because of one payment method. And then you're logging into a different account. Then you're trying to reconcile because sometimes the time boundaries are different depending on what the payment processor is, has and the formats are different and all of those types of things. What we are doing with PPCP is just making it simple for merchants to do one integration and centralize all funds collection. And by the way, what we do is what is called pre-funding. So what that means is as soon as you get paid with Apple Pay, the funds are in your PayPal account instantly. Oh, wow. That's different from when, if you get paid with Apple Pay and some of our competitors, they are in your account, but then they get to your bank in two to three days. Okay. Um, so the difference between PayPal and some of these other players is basically that 
when funds are available in your PayPal account, then you can action on them. Like, you know, you can use your PayPal debit card. You can use this to, you know, uh, to pay your vendors using PayPal. So it's, imagine your PayPal funds kind of just kind of getting more in because, you know, now you're able to kind of uh, accept other payment methods. So with PPCP and coming out and it obviously being international, what are some of the trends that you've started to see based on taking down the barriers of payment from the customers? We are in the early stages of PPCP rollout. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I mean, uh, when you introduced me and you said like, you know, 35, um, um, uh, we are in 35 million merchants and uh, 2000 plus platforms, a lot of our platform partners and merchants have integrated primarily with PayPal. Okay. That's what they accept with us, right? We are starting to roll this out with cards, with Apple Pay, Google Pay, and all the other payment methods. In, in the US, we just launched in August. And now we're starting to launch in many other markets in Europe and other, other places in LATAM and growth markets in APAC, et cetera. So uh, we're starting to just do this process. In fact, you're going to hear something from us uh, big in the next couple of months um, as we are going to kind of go to market broadly in terms of helping kind of get the message out that, you know, you can bring it all into one umbrella and we'll simplify it for you, you know, if you go with PPCP. Um, so, yeah, so um, what we've done is basically we've morphed our platform that has been just accepting PayPal to kind of just do everything in one place. And so in terms of trends in the U.S., since we have launched, merchants are loving it. The, the, the thing that they want is to future-proof their integration in a certain sense. They don't want to kind of like say that I want to go to multiple different providers. So what merchants are loving is the fact that they can get access to funds quickly and they can, they can just leverage our platform. We're seeing a really good uh, uptick in the U.S. right now, but it's still uh, early stages in terms of the overall kind of adoption of the full stack platform, if you will. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan of making it easy because we've, you know, I've, I get pulled in sometimes and the customer is wanting to stick with the technology or something with their ERP and it doesn't always match very well. And then it becomes kind of one of these things. But like you said, if there's some sort of update or a change, you've got to make sure that that's yeah. implemented and there's no breaks or whatever, because when that happens, it can be huge. But with this, you're really kind of future proofing, as you said, allowing yourself to have the ability to be adaptable to any changes that come and not have your site be thrown offline. You're still able to take funds. You're not really down because of something that, you know, nobody could have really guessed if it wasn't, you know, necessarily out of the box and you wanted to go all custom, which is interesting. So one of the things we talked about uh, before our podcast today was really about fraud and how, mm-hmm. how is this helping with fraud and the evolution of helping the merchants to avoid that or combat yeah. it as best they can? The fraud question is extremely important question. I think, Joe, you and I have been in this industry for some time now, and we know that uh, the whole credit card industry and the online checkout and e-commerce industry has one very critical component to it, which is fraud and risk that comes with accepting payments online. Um, and that drives the overall kind of pricing and the, you know, the, and the fact that merchants have to kind of deal with the fact that, that they have chargebacks and other processes to kind of uh, combat fraud. So I'll, I'll mention a couple of things around PPCP and also the broader industry regarding fraud. I mean, clearly fraud is, happens in many ways. I mean, cards get stolen. So there's, you know, you have that, right. And most providers today want to have a product that helps you kind of detect that there are certain IP addresses that fraud's originating from. 
um, and there are certain set of cards that are being tried you know, in a very kind of in a short way, whether mm -hmm. it's using AI and bots or whether it is by manual manually um, and quickly block those IPs. Um, so a lot of times what we do is uh, that's something that we've done over the years and what our fraud systems are kind of evolving to is very rapidly detecting uh, anomalies. And you can see the anomalies can be based on uh, the fact that they're coming from a certain IP or they, they're coming from certain kind of patterns that these merchants are not seeing, that of sales that we haven't seen at these merchants. And so uh, while these things happen, uh, one of the problems that merchants also face is that um, is about auth rates on cards, especially. So what that means is that if you tighten your fraud controls too much, then you know your your acceptance rate goes down, right? Like it's it's maybe somebody who's you know just kind of uh, misentered a uh, number, or maybe you know it's a card that's expired. And so the kind of ways to think about it from a payment processor perspective, and specifically from PPCP, the way we've kind of thought about it is there are three elements to it. First is to mitigate fraud as it happens, like as I spoke about in terms of you know uh, blocking IP addresses and alerting the merchant that that is happening. Right? Okay. The second thing is uh, is is all around helping you control fraud, and we have a few products that we allow you to kind of help you control fraud. There's something that we call with every PPCP merchant and PPCP account, you get a fraud product called fraud protection standard. A standard product where you can go in and set some controls regarding how you want to kind of balance fraud and like I said, auth rates. Right? So we have a set of controlled products that allow you to control fraud. So we have manual controls, we have some advanced controls, and then we have something called chargeback protection where you don't do any of it, you leave it to us. Obviously it comes with the charge, but that's the, the control part of it. Okay. The third part of it now is the uh, fighting fraud. Um, so effectively allowing you to kind of make the case to the issuer banks saying that, hey, this is actually a fraudulent case if someone is either, you know, um, for you to kind of basically contest. When, mm -hmm. And because fraud does, is not just about uh, the fact that somebody is attacking you from a, kind of in a stolen card perspective, it can also happen because of friendly fraud. They can say, you know, item was not actually delivered. As a merchant, you're, uploading documents to some central repository, and then you are trying to kind of win these cases. The third element of it, right? So I said the first element was to kind of actively detect it. Second is to give you controls. The third one is to allow you to actively fight fraud with tools and automation. So we have a couple of products there as well. So all of this comes bundled within PPCP. Okay. But it really helps our merchants uh, to really kind of get in front of fraud, which is going to just get worse and worse now with like some of these AI and uh, things that are coming up. No, I don't disagree. I, I mean, the the bot attacks and the off testing is always incredibly frustrating because you, you, as we said, there's always going to be fraud. There's always the better mousetrap. Somebody's going to break it. Sadly, it's the nature of the world. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's the one. I, I always am amused by friendly fraud because the merchants, when you say that's what yeah. it's called, are they're never they never appreciate that it's friendly fraud. Like they're like, there's gotta be another name for this. I'm like, I would love, I don't disagree. And it's, it's usually, you know, the shenanigans of the customer where they know that maybe they can get away with it. And, and That's some right. will try and others yeah. are just, they woke up and had a bad day and, and they're just angry yeah. and this is where they're going to take it out. And you're like, you know, and we've tried to, you know, talk to customers or, or, or merchants and say, Hey, 
be careful with this because there's potentially a cost on social media or other things where people can start to complain and make it louder and maybe others will jump in and this $40 yeah. chargeback is suddenly becoming, you know, a two day nightmare. Do where are we at with this? But the friendly fraud aspect of it, you know, I feel like the card brands are, are maybe starting to see that the merchants have been fighting an uphill battle and hoping that that's going to change a little bit and make it a little bit easier for them. But knowing that it's rolled in and that it's something that, you know, they can easily do is incredibly helpful. Whatever choice you make, fraud is going to yeah. potentially happen. What are the, you know, circumstances to mitigate that, whether it is, you know, online and it's, and it's that way, or it's in store or it's, it's mm -hmm. over the phone or some sort of shipping dispute. You've got to have that in place with whatever you choose to use. And some places do it better than others. And, and, and we know yeah. that. So, um, but you're going to get hit. This isn't going to not happen to you. That's true. And, and I think merchants can take certain steps to kind of like very simple, sensible steps to allow, you know, solutions like ourselves and BBCP in, in particular to kind of help them fight fraud. For example, the shipment part of it, right? So we just launched a product called Shipment Tracking. It's also again bundled into PPCP and there's no extra charge for merchants here actually. So this is going to be great for them because what it is is basically that you pass in the API calls, the shipment tracking number uh, to us. And so if that's the PayPal consumer, what we do is we allow the consumer to also actually see the package kind of get tracked within the PayPal app. So you get notification right. because what we're able to do is to pick that shipment tracking number and just kind of live kind of track it, help them track whether it's UPS, you know, USPS, et cetera. But what's really interesting is that knowing the shipment tracking allows you to know that the, actually, the item got delivered. And then like for a merchant, then can easily contest the fact that it, if a consumer says it was not delivered because you have all the information already in the system. So I think that's that's one of the very simple things. Um, so it's just a simple parameter that you know merchants can pass in with the integration. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of tools out there and I think it's just going to be for merchants to kind of just be savvy about the fact that they can they can help the payment processor to be on their on their fight for fraud on their behalf by sharing a little bit more data. Right. And I mean, and I think we're all used to that. There's always a picture now to show that it was delivered and where it was delivered or not delivered. Yeah. Um, Cause I've yeah. had that a few times and I'm like, that's not my house. Um, I know that's not my house or, you know, or somebody will send it and it's almost to the point now where the disputes and I'm as we laugh, will probably be like a Google view. You're like, well, it is a white house, but this was delivered at a red house. So has something changed? <laughs> in Google view, yeah. because we can't trust anybody to take a photo of their own house. Let's we'll take a picture of the neighbors. Um, so in, in terms of the roadmap for, for you and where you see things are going with checkouts and payments, what are you seeing to be the, I mean, you said this is very new here. It's going to get rolled yeah. out to other parts of the world, but where are you seeing the next kind of iteration yeah. of this? Where's the growth coming from for what you're yeah. looking to do with PPCP? Yeah. The broadening of the payments portfolio is like, I think I want to say that it's going to continue, right? So there's a lot of roadmaps. So a lot of our work this coming year is, is all about, like, we want to support it. We're going to launch it sometime this first half of next year. We're going to be launching a whole bunch of other alternate payment methods through the rest of the world. So the, the broadening part of it, that's totally is, is a part of our roadmap. We're just going to, going to continue to do that. 
The second thing that we're doing is to speed up checkout. Um, so you asked this question about checkout, like, you know, what's going to be new in checkout, right? I think one of the, I would say, kind of breakthroughs for lack of better words, it's not a, like a phenomenal breakthrough, but it's like, it's not like GPD, right? Kind of a breakthrough, but it's been an interesting breakthrough is think of it as a two-factor authentication on, especially on mobile checkouts to pre-fill a lot of your checkout data. So in other words, what happens is like, you know, you're on this website, mobile website, you're checking out and then you're entering on these small forms, you're entering your name, address, information, and then like, you know, card information. You know, if you have Apple Pay or Google Pay or PayPal or uh, others, you can kind of get some of those pre-filled. Mm -hmm. But one of the things is that um, one of the big kind of breakthroughs, I would say, and this is what we are driving in with PPCP2, is that as soon as a consumer enters an email address or a phone number, uh, because we have those as identifying information within our PayPal database, and we have 400 million consumers, a large number of consumers on our network. What we're able to do basically is to pre-fill the entire uh, in information for checkout. And checkout typically converts around 50% or so. And we can drive that a whole lot more when it just becomes that one-click checkout. Like as in saying, ha, huh, I know who you are. I can pvinjimuri at gmail.com. Great. I, can, I have your shipping address, billing address, your card and file, and it's click and you're done. And so that speeding up of checkout is going to be the norm in the next couple of years. And I think we are ruling that features out. Um, I think a lot of our competitors are doing the same. But since we have some of the largest vaulted cards on file um, across all our platforms, I think it gives us a little bit of a leg up in terms of knowing consumers as they're shopping globally. But uh, but I see this as a big trend in checkout, like as in just making that just seamless. It's it's impressive how easy it is to put in either a six-digit code or for the six-digit code to come up while you're there because you've just been texted to say, yeah. yes, use this one, or just look yeah. at your phone and it's your face. And then at this point, it's like, when does the drone yeah. going to drop off what I've just purchased? Because That's it does right, go yeah. incredibly quick. And you know, I'm sure that I I will be fascinated as this goes to see like generationally where this happens. Yeah. Like I'm 50. Where is my dad? Cause he doesn't have a phone where he can look at it yet and it'll recognize yeah. his face, but that generation will eventually get there. The younger generation, it's incredibly fast and easy. And, and to take that fraud prevention, I think even potentially to the retail space, if that biometric mm -hmm. aspect of it and that two factor can yeah. happen, it's only good for the market because we know that there's these crazy numbers that you see where it's billions of dollars are stolen or fraudulently yeah. collected on merchandise. And to limit that in some way is going to be big. Like the, the chip card was yeah. a wonderful, I think, panacea to, to pretend yeah. like there's more security. It is, but it isn't. But to have that biometric aspect or that two factor with the text is going to be, I think, yeah. a big game changer. Like you said, the question is, is how fast do we get there in the next year or two? And, and where are we at? Then you just have to have the people who are going back to flip phones and, and figuring out how do we manage that, but they're not buying on their phone anyway. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I was just going to uh, top that off. It's saying, yeah, I think that these are the kind of, we know this is happening, right? Like, I mean, so because we are working on it, we're going to roll it out. I think it's going to be much better for consumers, but I think what's interesting to me in terms of like, you know, this real kind of breakthroughs that we're going to see is some of the devices that are getting launched, and you saw that in the CES um, show. I don't know if you uh, paid attention to this device called Rabbit. Did you? I don't know if you I, heard I did about not it. see this. No. What is the Rabbit? Yeah. 
yeah, it's basically it's a it's the next generation of a phone, basically, which is LLM enabled, and it's like and it's they called it also large action model. So it can actually do stuff for you. It'll say uh, you can say you can link it to your Uber, and you can say order me a cab or order me a Uber, and uh, or you know place an order for you know food or anything else. So is it like a, a wearable device? Is it a wearable type it, thing? It's like a, it's it's like something that you can put in your pocket. It's a really small device, and then just look up uh, Rabbit. Like and this, it's it's sold out. Like it's like one hundred ninety nine dollars or something. It's got a video camera, a small video camera on it. Huh. It's like a push to talk type of a device. Like you know, you okay. can imagine. So I do think that like, you know, the commerce is going to be kind of almost behind the scenes. I mean, like you said, you, know, you spoke about your father, right? Yep. And like, you know, not kind of uh, jump, like, you know, being in the phone generation. But I think that may, this may be a device that your dad could probably use because, you know, it it just, it's it's so conversational. You don't have to open up all these different apps. It's, there's 200 different apps that you have on your phone. You just there. It's it's just that your your, your device, your communication device has become so, so much smarter for you to start commerce. It's fascinating. It's almost like we're getting some weird marriage between what we have that lives in our home where you can speak and say, what is the weather today? And the speaker, depending on whatever technology you subscribe to, will speak back to you and tell you what the weather is. And do you want to subscribe to weather for a small amount of money? You're like, no, I don't want to subscribe to the weather. But between that and like Star Trek with the little things, it's it's becoming yeah, it's really similar to that. Like it's like that, right? <laughs> that aspect where you can literally speak it. But I can't I mean, it's kind of nice where you don't have to dig out anything. Just be like, you know, order me an Uber and it can geolocate based on where you are. You don't have, you don't have to drop a yeah. pin. You know where you are. I will definitely take a look at that. Um, I saw a couple of other interesting things um, come out of there, but I'm always fascinated to see, you know, where the the test pilots of product innovation are at. And, and what yeah. they think will stick and what won't. And, but I mean, that's, that's yeah. why you love watching the news come from there. So to finish all of this, we've had a lot of interesting where we're going. Is there yeah. anything that you've seen that is starting to kind of, I don't want to say fall by the wayside, but become less mm-hmm. emphasized in terms of payments or is not necessarily, you know, where we thought the priority would be. Is there anything that's kind yeah. of, you know, just not there anymore or, or not, not what yeah. we thought? Yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of us, uh, many of us, were enamored by crypto, and I can see that as there's a kind of a reverse trend going on in crypto right now. Um, so I think uh, this notion of get rich quick that happened during the crypto boom. Uh, I think there were a couple of them. You know, we may we may experience one more, but I think one one thing that was very much on top of a lot of merchants' minds was: should I start accepting crypto? Should I be actually settling in crypto? Should I be uh, now, how should I treat crypto? Like with, these were the kind of questions that a lot of merchants were asking, but I think that may be something for us to not think of for, for now. So I think, you know, I'm not saying that it's sunset, but I think it's a little bit more marginalized or a little bit more focused in certain areas, um, especially kind of areas where there is, there's definitely digital currencies that's happening. And so I think we'll hear more there. And um, also uh, in a cross border, there are certain kind of use cases where it makes sense, where costs are extremely high for merchants and, makes sense for them to kind of use a kind of a digital currency and the blockchain. But I do see uh, kind of this movement away from kind of cryptocurrencies, like as in, ter- in terms of acceptance or settlement. Um, and so that's definitely one kind of, I would say, negative trend. And I think that's because there's so much fun stuff going on in, um, in Gen AI that I think I, I do see a lot less focus on crypto, at least in the near term. Yeah, it's definitely murky. And I think those who are not in the know got excited and then they saw, I don't want to say the fall from grace, but, you know, the rug got pulled a little bit and everybody's like, all right, maybe 
I'm not sure what this is, or I, I don't want to sell something at one point for $40. And then the next day that $40 is now worth 28 because something has changed <laughs> yeah. in a matter of hours while I was sleeping that can become very concerning, but I think it's murky. I think I don't, I agree with you. I don't think it's going away. I think we have to have a little bit more stability, a little bit more clarity before, you know, we can really get to where that becomes back to the enthusiasm there once was a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, but pre, is there anything else you'd like to share that we kind of didn't cover or. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, so we started this conversation asking, you know, when you asked like, what is PVCP? And I said, well, PVCP is all payment methods, right? So we've kind of gone beyond PayPal and our PayPal products. Um, there's a couple of other things about PVCP that I didn't share, which is we are bringing in a lot of in-store payments to, uh, PVCP as well. So what that means basically is that, uh, with one integration, you can accept payments both online and in store, and so that's that's going to be very powerful for retailers who are like you know there, and even with small physical presence, like you know you would want a kind of a, a retail or a terminal upon a sale, and we have all of that. So that's again PBCP, and a third element of it is all of these things can be available to merchants, but most merchants now leverage platforms and um, you know players like yourself to actually build a site, you know, help them with e-commerce. So all of this is directly available uh, to merchants, but also via platforms. So that's why, you know, we have 2000 plus platforms and we're going to kind of take all of this technology and provide it through all these platforms. Um, and this kind of this notion of embedded payments and embedded finance also kind of fits into that. Uh, we didn't talk about that trend, but that's happening. And so uh, you can see a lot, lot of that. So regardless of the platform you're on, you're on an invoicing platform or you're in, an, in some kind of a social media platform, you're accessing payments. And we are going to make it available to all of those types of platforms. So that's the the third element of PPCP. So just want to share, it's a lot of payment methods in store and online, but also it can be available both directly as well as with via platforms. And we're working with all these major platforms to do that. No, that's, that was that was fantastic because I know that you know, like you said, going to one spot to do your reconciliation to understand everything. And if you do have a small presence or some sort of presence offline in a retail store mm -hmm. or some form of you know, payments that aren't on the web to have that system that PPCP can tie into or be is incredibly helpful. So, well, thank you for, for tuning in and thank you for the help, Pre. This was very fun. I always enjoy talking payments, especially with other people who are into payments and don't look at me like uh, I'm some nerd who just gets into the, the card brand uh, stuff. And, you know, I know that, you know, we'll keep in touch and if more things come out and we start to learn more, We'll definitely try to have you back in the future and, and see where there might be more to, to talk about this or other things in the payment side of, of the world. But thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. And I appreciate kind of being able to kind of talk to you and your viewers and uh, listeners. And, you know, I appreciate you kind of bringing PayPal on. And uh, yeah, they're excited about the future. Absolutely. Well, thank you for tuning into the future by listening to this Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a topic or submit feedback, email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. While you're at it, give us a rating and share this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And don't forget to follow us on social media. This episode is brought to you by americaneagle.com studios. 